0: As Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem, crowds of people were following him. They were always finding him. Some people wanted to be healed. Some people were listening to his teachings. Some people were wondering who he really was. And even there were parents who would bring their babies and their children, and they would put him in Jesus' lap because they wanted him to bless them. And you know what, the disciples and some of the other people said, no, don't bring these children to Jesus, he's too busy. But what do you think Jesus said? Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, and if you don't have a Bible of your own here today... uh, it should be one of the pew rack in front of you you can use. And if you don't have a Bible at all, we'd invite you to take that uh, as a gift from us to you. Um, and as you turn there, uh, if you're newer with us, uh, we've been in a series here recently entitled Jesus Conversations that have been bringing us uh, up to Easter, looking at the final chapters of Jesus's earthly ministry. And in each of those conversations that we've been examining and what we're going to examine today, Jesus is revealing. He is teaching us more and more and more what it actually looks like to be a follower of him, which is what we want to glean, obviously, in our own lives if we're seeking to follow him. And so today we're going to take a look at this uh, Jesus conversation that we just witnessed taking place uh, in a conversation around a dinner table with uh, the Campbell children in that video and uh, where Jesus teaches uh, both children uh, but also what we as adults we as adults can learn from children when it comes to following Jesus Christ. In fact, if you don't uh, know the, the Campbell family that was in the video, uh, the Talties and the Campbells here until recently, uh, we were neck and neck, uh, each with an offspring count of four each, when frankly, the Campbells just came out of nowhere, <laughs> adding to their family of four girls, twin girls. And so uh, they take the checkered flag, they win, we're done. (laughs) And so looking at that passage that they look together as a family with their children, uh, we see them reflecting on a passage that Jesus, uh, in the context of that passage in Luke 18, he's in the middle of actually teaching adults. Uh, But in the midst of that teaching of the adults, We see this happen in chapter 18, verse 15, if you wanna follow with me. It says, in the midst of that, people were also bringing babies, or little children, depending on the translation, "uh, bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and bless them. And so what we see happening here is that, as great as that encounter may have been for the adults in that space, The parents of children wanted something great, namely a blessing from Jesus, for their children as well. And if you're a parent, you get that. You know what it means to want to give your best for your children. Uh, But in the midst of uh, Jesus teaching the adults, the disciples show up and they discern that, hey, this teaching of the adults... This is serious business. And they rebuke, it says, they rebuke them, they rebuke the parents for bothering Jesus with the little children's needs. And so the question is who is right in this circumstance? Is it the parents? Are are they justified in bringing children to Jesus in the midst of this teaching of the adults? Or is it the disciples? Um, Do they understand that we've got to kind of get down to business? We've got to correct the parents and keep the children away as Jesus teaches. Well, thankfully, we have the Son of God on the scene to clear things up for us, which is always a great source when you want an answer to a tough question. So with that, verse 16, Jesus clears it up. Calling the children to himself, he says, Let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And what's noticeable about what Jesus, uh, or notable about what Jesus is saying um, in this setting when he's talking about children and the kingdom of God belonging to such as these is that Jesus is declaring this uh, in the midst of, uh, at a time and a setting in a Greek-thinking Roman culture that viewed, sadly at that time, both women and children, more as property than as human beings. And so we see throughout Jesus' ministry, and specifically here with children, that Jesus is constantly raising the level of what it meant for us all to be created equal in the image of God. And specifically here, children, as he says, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And so for us as a church, if you've, if you've been around us for more than 45 seconds, you know that we as a church, we are with Jesus on this one. That a deep-seated value of this congregation for generations has always been to ask the question, how are we raising up the next generation to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ? that in this congregation of 182 years old, we stand here today, or sit for your sake, uh, here today because of the answer to that question, generation after generation after generation since 1833. In fact, Lori and I were hearing from some senior saints the other day about how they remembered it when they were little, they did bus trips as kids, and so for generations, we have been consistently committed to what does it mean to raise up the next generation to carry on the faith, not just in this church, Uh, but throughout the world. And so we now have that responsibility. We have the responsibility of taking that torch and passing it on uh, to the next generation, some of which are in this room and some of which are in their kids' programming right now. And a key way in which we understand that to take place is uh, through something we call around here, Orange. Orange. Now, you may have noticed both in the videos and on, you know, in like the kids' volunteer space and all that stuff, that you see this color orange almost everywhere. And it's not because we found that orange was the in fashion season for the color, but, uh, or for the season or whatever, but it's actually uh, indicative of an understanding of how we approach family ministry as a church. And so, if you're not familiar with it, or if you are, it's a good reminder that we see it this way that we start with the color yellow. That the idea that yellow represents us as the church, that as Jesus said, we are the light of the world, and we understand that our opportunity as a church, uh, when it comes to children, we have on the average, when you take in you know travel and all this different stuff, that we have on average about 40 hours a year with your children, if if you have children, we have about 40 hours a year in kids programming, um, and we treat that you know, very sacred and want to make the most of those 40 hours. Yet on the other side, we also have in evolved in children's lives. Are you all as family, which we'll call red, um, which represents, you know, the heart or the heartbeat of the home that, um, maybe even beyond the home, aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents, that your heart beats for wanting the absolute best for your family and for your children. And so the understanding with that is that you all as a family, in contrast to 40 hours that we have with them as a church, you have on average 3,000 hours in a given year with your children. And so with this understanding, we've said, you know, as a ministry, it doesn't make sense for us to build a ministry, a children's and youth ministry that... um, as I like to say, has your kids spiritualized, baptized, dry cleaned, and ready for pick up their senior year, that if you just drop them off with us, we'll take care of that, but instead, how can we better partner with you all as parents who already, frankly, are not only in time, but in weight of responsibility, feel the, the uh, responsibility of raising your kids to follow Jesus Christ all the days of their life? How can we, um, instead of drop the kids off, how can we work together more? in helping you all as parents do what you know you need to do? How can we bring, you could say, the light of the church uh, together with the red, with the heart of the home, thus yellow and red, how can we become more orange? How can we be orange as a church in the way that we work together for the same goal of raising the next generation to follow Jesus Christ? And so a few ways that we make that happen even now, even as your kids are in their kids programming right now, you will note, as they always do, they end up probably all over the place, but if you can get a hold of them, they have these, these, um, these handouts that reflect you know, verses and questions and discussion that you can have as a family that mirror that which they learned in their programming. And so it's a great way to take what's an hour on a Sunday morning uh, into the other 168 hours of a week as a family. Uh, another thing we do, as Lori mentioned last week, a family faith event. We have family milestone and family faith events where we work to get parents and kids in the room together learning about important things of faith and growing together as a family. And then uh, an entirely new way in which we're continuing to move forward and being intentional in this way is through a new family ministry initiative called Sticky Faith. Sticky Faith. And if you're unfamiliar with what Sticky Faith is or is about, um, I can probably best describe it uh, with the flip of a coin. And uh, so if you are, I need some audience participation here this morning, and so if you have a coin on your person, I'm going to invite you to take it out uh, because we're going to have a little flip of the coin contest. And I realized as we've been doing this that very few people have coins. So if you want to like flip a debit card or something, (laughs) that we can get, we can get there. So go ahead and take that out and uh, we're going to go ahead and call it before we flip. And we're going to say, if it lands on uh, tails, you lose. But if you land on heads, you win. So heads, winners. Tails, losers. All right. Are we ready? Okay. All right. Get together. I only have so much time. All right. Ready? Okay. Flip. (laughs) There's coins going everywhere. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) They're fighting over it. That's all right. I came up heads. you got to make sure. you go. Okay. All right. Uh, by a show of hands, how many losers in the room today? That's a tough one to raise your hand to, isn't it? All right. How many uh, came up heads? Winners. All right. Not bad. Okay. So the choice is yours. You're going to kick off or receive. Okay. Depends on the direction of the wind. and I know. It all, it all. Okay. All right. So with that, what if I told you that when it comes to your kids that the odds of them sticking with their faith beyond the, eight, beyond the age of 18 were the odds of that of a coin flip. That there, were a 50, there was a 50-50 chance that your child, that once they graduated high school, um, they would also graduate from their faith and from the church. Well, studies coming out of Fuller Youth Institute um, reveal that upwards of 50% of kids that once they do graduate from high school do also graduate from the faith and from the church as well. And uh, we'll just got to say that as a church, we're not okay with those odds. We're not okay with those, those statistics. As a dad, I'm not okay with those odds. I've got four kids, and the idea that two would walk away from the faith. Um, is not something I'm good with and not something we're good with. And so uh, we've made uh, a very intentional investment in our youth ministry and children's ministry volunteers into uh, some education and some training as to how we can build a faith that sticks, a sticky faith. that comes out of Fuller Seminary and the Fuller Youth Institute, uh, which in like ministry nerd world is essentially the Harvard of higher Christian education, uh, all so that we can push back the needle on that horrid statistic. And so with that, we are very blessed that this upcoming Sunday, a week from today, March 22nd, we're gonna have in town, from Fuller, Steve Argue, who is um, actually uh, a, a guy and youth minister I've known for years and a really trusted name in all of this, who works with the Fuller Youth Institute and he's coming in to do some uh, training for our, our children's and youth volunteers, but also he's gonna stick around for a 60-minute um, seminar specifically for parents on how we can, again, build a faith in our kids that sticks beyond high school. Um, And so it's open to the whole congregation, but obviously specifically for those of you who are parents. And so we wanted to make this as accessible as possible. And so we have childcare provided. uh, And with that, even though there's a cost to having him with us, uh, we are making it uh, completely free uh, to come. You don't have to RSVP to be here, though. If you have child care, we'd ask you RSVP so we make sure we have enough help in that space. Um, really, you could just say that there's no reason that if you're a parent of a kid, uh, when you think about that 50-50 statistic, that you would not want to take advantage of this opportunity. Um, you know, it dawned on me that really 60 minutes at 6 o'clock next Sunday could shift and set the trajectory of the next 60 years of your child's life. And so uh, we look forward to growing and learning and how we can do that both as parents and as a church uh, here next Sunday. And I would say, with that, if you're not a parent here amongst, or at least not maybe a a parent of a school-aged child, uh, you know, there's an expression that's, it's uh, an ancient expression, actually, that says, it takes a village to raise a child. But we would say more accurately, in the goal that we have in mind, both as parents and as a church, that it takes a church. It takes a church to raise a child to be a lifelong devoted follower of Jesus Christ, as that's one of the tenets of the sticky faith understanding that it takes parents partnering with a church that's partnering with them in order to accomplish this in the lives of our children. And so, uh, to be a part of this generation raising up the next generation, uh, you'll notice that in your program, There's a tariff card that uh, shows how you can be a part of a church, of this village, if you will, of raising up kids to know Jesus Christ. And you might say, you know, I'm not real good with this or that or teaching kids, but there are lots of ways uh, within our family ministry programming that you can get involved that you might not have considered. So I, I invite everyone to at least take a look at that and see how God might be leading you to be a very specific part of being 182 years and counting of what it means to continue to raise up the next generation uh, of of, uh, kids to follow Jesus Christ. All this because when it comes to children, when it comes to this Jesus conversation, we as a church, uh, we side with Jesus on this one. As he says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Don't let anything get in their way for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So with that, we recognize that as much as in this passage, Jesus is blessing directly the children. From there, we see in this Jesus conversation, uh, representing from the children, he moves from the children, and again, Jesus addresses the adults. He addresses the crowd, he addresses us, all of us. Uh, You could say regardless of age, regardless of how long you've been a Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ, or maybe even today if you're still checking it all out, still exploring what it might mean to follow Jesus Christ, at any one of those levels, Jesus is saying, hey, here's what it looks like to follow me for anyone and everyone, thus us. And so verse 17 again. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so Jesus, even as he directly blesses the children, moves from there and says, we must have, as you've heard the expression, faith like a child to really enter into, to understand what the kingdom of God, what the way or the ways of God are all about. And so we want to be dependent on God in the way that a child is dependent on the one who cares for them. In fact, my understanding of this, um, child's dependency upon a parent came to me uh, somewhat fortuitously this morning, Uh, so the Saturday night didn't get this, uh, just for you all, special on Sunday, as I recognized just how dependent a child is in just two simple words. Echoing from the restroom, I'm done. In fact, true story. my four-year-old, as I was fulfilling my duty as a parent a few days ago, said, um, "If I was a daddy and somebody asked me to wipe their butt, I wouldn't do it." I don't want to wipe anybody's butt." To which I decided at that moment, if you can articulate that to this degree, you could take care of this yourself, Rebella. And so here's the big idea of what Jesus is getting at. That when it comes to our faith, that we want to move not to independence, but ironically to dependence upon our God. That uh, in what it means, you could say to follow Jesus Christ, that if we want to grow up, if we want to mature in our faith in Jesus Christ, and we actually have to become, ironically, more like a child by trusting more of him rather than ourselves. And so I want to spend the rest of our time giving you some practical ways in which we can shift your perspective as well as your actions and behaviors to recast that understanding and to push forward the needle on what it means for you to grow up and mature in your faith by actually becoming more like a child. And so the first way that we can mature in a childlike faith is, first off, remember who your dad is. We need to remember who our dad is. At, at each week, we even pray it, you know, at our Lord's Prayer, our Father, our Father in heaven, that the God of the universe in who he is, he's not, you know, some far-off deity that just spun the earth into motion and said to us, good luck with that and left. No, he is a loving Father who is for us and we are his children. 1 John 3, 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Uh, To help kind of paint how great God's love is, Uh, for me growing up as a kid, we had an ice cream shop as a family. It was our family business, and our only competition in town uh, was actually a Baskin-Robbins on the other side of town that had, you know, 31 flavors, and so we had like 36 flavors. We felt that's how we could compete, and so I have tasted just about every ice cream under the sun, but I will tell you, to this day and then, still, my favorite ice cream dish is simply vanilla ice cream covered in delicious Hershey's chocolate syrup. That's all I need. And so uh, that's, that's uh, how I do ice cream that, you know, what was once white ice cream is now completely eclipsed by delicious Hershey's chocolate syrup. In fact, you could say the old saying, you know, uh, would you like a little ice cream with that delicious Hershey's chocolate sh- syrup is, perfect phrase for the way in which I understand enjoying delicious Hershey's chocolate syrup over my ice cream and so you get the point God's love is so lavished over us John three sixteen, he lavished it on us so much that he actually gave his one and only son He gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that through our faith in him, we might become, as it says in Galatians 4, 5, children of our heavenly father. And see, that alone, that perspective alone will transform. It will absolutely transform your perspective on who you are and the way that you live your life. Because when we understand that we have a loving Heavenly Father of which we are his child, then we recognize that with that is a deep well of assurance and of confidence uh, that comes not from ourselves, but again, as we would a loving father uh, who loves his kids and wants what's best for them. And so secondly, remembering who our dad is, we can recognize, second, what your dad is doing for you. Recognize what your dad is doing for you in the here and the now. Psalm 56.4 says, In God I trust, and thus I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? As Romans 8.31 assures us, if God is for us, well then who can be against us? So I like to think of it as, uh, when we think about God being for us, when we face you know, tough times and troubles in our life, it's like the ultimate, my dad can beat up your dad. Like the ultimate, our dad, our heavenly dad can take on the troubles and the tough stuff we face and thus First Peter 5, 7, go ahead and cast all your anxiety, cast your trouble and your cares upon the one who cares for you. Because we know, Romans 8, 28, that in all these things, God, our heavenly father, is working for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose, And so when we have that perspective, when I, when you recognize that you're being watched over by your heavenly father, regardless of what's going on in life as a child of his, you wonder, really, what is there to be afraid of? Like what on this earth can anyone do to you when you are eternally understood as a child of God, both in this life, and then thirdly, for all of eternity? That we can recognize not only what God is doing now, but ultimately in all of eternity. As Jesus reminds us in John 14 two, in our father's house, there are many rooms and Jesus is preparing that place for us. Or if you prefer the 1990s audio adrenaline version of that verse, for those of you who are in youth group back in the day, uh, don't leave me hanging if you know the motions. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. It's a big, big table with lots and lots of food. I see it over there. It's a big, big yard where we can play football. It's a big, big house. It's my father's house. And so we can grow up, we can mature in our childlike faith by remembering who our God is, what he's doing for us in the here and now, and frankly, what he's doing for us in all of eternity. And when we look at just those, four, those first three, we recognize pretty quickly, fourthly, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for, and thus we can grow in our childlike faith, as we all learned as children, to say your thank yous. We can remember to say our thank yous. Psalm 92.1 says it plainly, it is good. It is good for us. It is good for us to give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 118.1 says, simply, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good and his love endures forever. And so we recognize both as having once been children or maybe if you raise children of your own, that we do teach our pleases and our thank yous as a part of being polite, as a part of manners. But saying thank you is so much more than just simply manners. Thankfulness is a perspective. Thankfulness is a way of life, that you could say regardless of what currently is, whether good or bad, that thankfulness is a posture and an attitude that you can have regardless of what currently is. Meaning on the inverse, that if you find yourself constantly saying, well, you know, once I get that, or once my circumstance is this, well, well then I will be thankful. But to have that understanding is to miss the point of what thankfulness is. Because thankfulness is recognizing, again, regardless of circumstance, when we can find something to give thanks to God for in the midst, we get contentment. We find contentment in recognizing the good things he has already given to us, as he says in James. And so, the reality is, that if you will say your thank yous to God, you will find it is very difficult Very difficult, if not impossible, to actually be thankful and discontent at the same time. It's nearly impossible to be thankful, to be legitimately thankful and discontent at the same time. Henry Ironside, pastor and theologian, says it this way, we would worry less if we praised more. That thanksgiving, giving thanks, is the enemy of discontentment and dissatisfaction. And so mature, grow up in your childlike faith by learning to say thank you. And then from there, fifth, you can grow in your childlike faith by remembering to read and follow dad's instructions. By reading and following dad's instructions. And that uh, even today, it's been a little bit different approach to the message. And that if you're with us, usually we take a passage and and work from that the entire time. But today, we've just been going over lots of instruction and lots of understanding of what our heavenly dad has to say in his word when it comes to living a childlike faith as a child of his. Because throughout his word, we see Psalm 119, 105 is true. That his word, it's a lamp unto our feet, It's a light for our path because scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, it is all God-breathed and it is useful. It's useful for us for being taught, for teaching, for being rebuked or corrected, uh, corrected and training in righteousness. And from there, Jesus himself, uh, actually when he was... um, Going into his earthly ministry, he was fasting and praying for 40 days prior to that. He was in the midst of that, tempted by the devil. And one of those temptations was to take physical bread from the devil in order to break that fast. And Jesus responded in Matthew 4-4 to the devil. He says, it is written, referring to God's word, Deuteronomy 8-3, about God's word, that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, which is his word to us. And so, uh, we can grow in our understanding of what it means to be a child in our faith by following dad's instructions. And we need this, we need this reminder. Um, Funny thing, uh, if you're familiar with the, the Lego movie, favorite movie of my kids right now. They love to uh, quote this particular quote from it when they're not paying attention to my instructions. Uh, And I'll give you the context. And if you haven't seen the movie, um, if you have, you'll get it. If you haven't, try to keep up. But here's essentially what happens. Uh, So Emmett is getting instructions on how Lord Business is going to destroy the world on Taco Tuesday. I tried to warn you. And Emmett, realizing he's not paying attention to the instruction, says, okay, I think I got it, but just in case, tell me the whole thing again, I wasn't listening. Uh, my kids love to say that one to me, so... Uh but in many ways, that's how it is for us as followers of Jesus Christ and God's instructions. We've, you know, If you've been a Christian a long time, you've heard this stuff before. You've heard, the, you've heard it time and time again. Uh, but for some reason, we need to hear it again. We need to be reminded of what we supposedly already know that we might better and listen and then follow what we supposedly already know. God's consistent and constant word to us on what it means to follow him. And so... If in your life you're not being intentional about being regularly reminded of what God's word is for you, um, I'd encourage you to take advantage, for example, of those weekly inserts that say Jesus Conversations on your, in your program. Those uh, devotions have been put together for you to, to spend some time in God's word um, in leading up to each week's message. Uh, Or if uh, you want to maybe set up a more ongoing reading plan, go to the our website. We have, click on resources, and there's reading plans you'll find from 30 seconds a day to 30 minutes a day just to get you into the rhythm and the regularity of God's instruction for us. And so that's the fifth thing that you can do. And then lastly, lastly, don't forget that as a child of God, uh, you could say it this way, you're not an only child that you're not in this alone, that God has given us, as the church, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters to do life and faith with. And so lastly, make sure you're spending time hanging with your brothers and your sisters. Ephesians 2.19 says that when it comes to the church, that we are together members of God's household. And in Mark chapter three, uh, Jesus was asked practically like, hey, Jesus, where is your mother and your brothers? Um, to which Jesus turns it and makes it a teaching moment and says, who are my brothers, or my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those with him, seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Meaning, we as the church we are committed, uh, we are committed one to another as family, brothers, and sisters, uh, together to do, uh, if you've heard it once, you've heard it 100 times, you've heard it 100 more, that we exist together to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That that's why we're here, that's why we're on the planet, and the way in which we functionally do that as a church and brothers and sisters is by growing in that and serving together. By growing and serving together. That The reality is, is that we really can't be family sitting merely shoulder to shoulder, all facing the same direction for an hour on a Sunday. That we have to take that next step into getting involved in each other's lives into being a church. And so um, just some verses some passages of scripture that talk about what this should look like among us, some of the attributes of that that I'm just gonna run through here as as we kind of move through this one. That if we're gonna be brothers and sisters committed one to another, that we are gonna be committing uh, to love one another. Uh, That with that, we functionally want to serve one another. That regardless of our story and our background and the stuff that we face, that we're going to accept one another. And then within that, when need be and will need be in the life of a church together, we need to forgive one another. When we walk through these doors, we need to greet one another. That when it comes to the tough times in life, we're going to bear one another's burdens. That we're going to stick it out. That we're in for the long haul. We're family till death do us part. We're going to be devoted one to another as a church. We're going to honor one another in the way we treat each other. We're willing to submit to one another in what others' needs are. We are going to encourage one another in the faith. And then lastly, we're going to see all that tied together, James 5, 16, by trusting God as we pray for one another that this is what it looks like to be brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, in his church, as children of his connected together. And so, when we live in this way, when we live with these perspectives, we can move from an immature, childish faith and grow up by having a child-like faith where we together live and move dependent upon our Heavenly Father together. And so with that, I recognize that as we roll through these six possibilities of ways you could grow up in your childlike faith that I know enough about how our brains work that um, one of these might be helpful, but six aren't, not to our memories. And so what I wanna encourage you to do is discover which one maybe bubbled to the surface for you. That as you look at where you need to grow up in a childlike faith, Uh, will be most helpful to you to begin to engage in this week. For example, maybe you are facing some very difficult times in your life, and some struggles, some challenges, uh, then I would invite you, probably those first three almost go together, in that you recognize, A, who you are as a child of God based on who your dad is, and then tap into what does God want to do and speak into that even now, and look forward, remember, the heavenly eternity that he has in store no matter what. From there, maybe you find that you you are in a season of just, you're just bitter, dissatisfied, discontent, and God's word would invite you to zoom out and find what has God done for you that you can be thankful for, not least of which we remember is Jesus Christ. Fourthly, uh, maybe this is difficult for you because you're not engaged in God's word for you, and so you need to step into some sort of plan to get into God's word starting this week. And then maybe lastly, maybe this struggles you face in your life have more to do not with your circumstances, but the people who you invite into your life circumstances. Maybe you have the wrong influencers, the wrong voices speaking into your life. And you need to shift uh, to investing in some relationships, again, with your brothers and sisters who have the common denominator of Jesus Christ wanting to be the leader of our lives and seeing what God wants to do in the midst of your life. And so maybe you need to take that step beyond shoulder to shoulder, and get involved in either Grow Together group or Serve Together ministry, uh, shoulder to shoulder, or excuse me, I should say more in a circle, working together for what God wants to do in your life. And so with that, I would like to pray for you in that, so I invite you to stand. And um, with that, we're gonna spend some time you know, doing what James five sixteen says, that last one. We we're gonna spend some time here uh, praying together. Uh, So there's going to be some trusted brothers and sisters here at the front of the room that uh, if you want to pray about any one of these areas in your life, we'd be honored to pray with you. And then even beyond that, we would say that if we all understand that every human being on the planet is created in the image of God, everyone is created in the image of God. However, when it comes to stepping into being a child of God, that only comes through accepting his one and only son, Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness that comes of our sin, removing that sin as as Lori talked about in communion, thus allowing us a right relationship with the God of the universe. And so in order to make God your heavenly father, you have to cross that line of faith. You have to step across that line saying, yes, I receive, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me for the forgiveness of my sin. And so if you need to make that decision, we would invite you to do that today we had someone do that last night and we invite you to join them we'll get you baptized here uh, in the next couple weeks and it'll be great to celebrate that together and so with that let me pray for us and then we will worship and pray together father dad we're thankful that we can use that kind of language when it comes to who you are as we are children of you And so I'd ask that you would lead each one of us as your children in this room on that next step to grow up in our faith through a childlike understanding of dependency upon you. And Father, for any of those um, who haven't made that step to become a child of you, that they would do as it says in Romans, that they would believe in their heart and then profess with their mouth out loud, yes, you are the son of God and I give my life to you. That they would make that decision uh, today. We ask your leadership in all of this as we follow you in Jesus' name.